Welcome to the Panine Halacha podcast. Zmanim, Chapter 7, The Laws of the Minor Fasts. Section 1, The Current Status of the Minor Fasts. Podcast Note. Although it's June, I'd love to start covering the Panine Halacha's volume on the Yom Yunarayim, the High Holidays. That work is not yet available in English translation, but I understand that it's on the way. If the translation becomes available, I'll start episodes on that topic, thus gearing us over these next months towards preparation for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Until then, the next Jewish holiday is Shiva Sarbatamuz, the minor fast day. This section is relevant for all minor fast days, including some Gedalia, which follows immediately after Rosh Hashanah and is part of the high holiday cycle. Let's begin. When the prophets instituted the four fast days after the destruction of the first temple, they modeled these days after the fast of Yom Kippur, which is how the rabbis usually enact rabbinic decrees, modeling them after the Torah's commandments. Since Yom Kippur lasts an entire day, the prophets instituted that the four fasts should be full fast days. And since there are five prohibitions on Yom Kippur, eating and drinking, bathing, anointing, wearing shoes, and marital relations, they prohibited the same things on the fasts commemorating the Chorban, commemorating the destruction of the first temple. This is how the Jews observed these fasts throughout the 70-year Babylonian exile. When the exiles returned from Babylonia to build the second temple, these fasts were canceled and transformed into joyous days. As it says in the book of Zechariah, the fast of the fourth month, the fast of the fifth month, the fast of the seventh, and the fast of the tenth will be to the house of Judah for joy and for gladness and for festive days, love, truth, and peace. And when the second temple was destroyed, the Jews went back to observing the very same fasts, keeping them throughout the difficult years following the second Chorban, during which Bar Kochva's rebellion and the destruction of Betar and Judea took place. Thus, the status of these fasts depends on our national situation. At a time of evil decrees and persecution, we are obligated to fast. But when the temple is standing, these fasts actually become days of joy and gladness. In a intermediate situation, when the temple is destroyed, but we aren't plagued with harsh decrees, as was the case during Revi Huda Hanasi's lifetime, the status of these fasts depends on the will of the Jewish people. Quote, if they want to fast, they do so. If they do not want to fast, they do not fast. See the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah. This is the law regarding the fast on the 10th of Teves, the 17th of Tammuz, and some Gedalia. Regarding Tishabav, however, the matter does not depend on the nation's will, and everyone is obligated to fast, even in an intermediate situation, because both temples were destroyed on that day. In practice, the Jewish people are accustomed to observing all of these fasts, even in an intermediate situation. Therefore, all Jews are obligated to fast on these days, this is the halacha until the Beis HaMikdash is rebuilt, 
speedily in our days when the fast days will finally become joyous festivals. To summarize, there are four fast days on the Jewish calendar that mark the Chorban, the destruction of the Beis Amikdash. These fasts were proclaimed by the prophets after the first Chorban. Since that time, these fasts have gone through quite some development. At first, the fasts were very strict. Like Yom Kippur, the fasts began in the evening, and one could also not wear proper shoes, bathe, anoint, or engage in marital relations on these days. When the Jews returned from exile and rebuilt the base of Migdash, these fast days were transformed into holidays. But in the very hard years after the second Chorban, which were full of anti-Jewish decrees, the days again became ones of obligatory fasting and sadness. What about periods of Jewish history in which we are in exile, but our condition isn't so terrible, and there aren't anti-Jewish decrees? Tisha B'Av, on which the base of Migdash was destroyed, must still be observed. The other three fasts, however, are only practiced in such conditions if the Jewish people choose to practice them. That kind of makes it sound like these fast days are optional. However, in practice, they are not. The Jewish people, in their sacred wisdom, have in fact chosen to maintain these three fast days even in lighter exile conditions. As such, these fast days are obligatory for all Jews in our day and age. One fascinating debate from the footnotes. So what about today, when so many Jews live in Israel under a sovereign Jewish state that our ancestors could only have dreamed of? Are we still in exile enough that these fasts still hold? Perhaps we should be celebrating on these days, at least within Israel. In fact, that appears to be the view of Rashi. The Gemara in Rosh Hashanah states that, quote, when there is peace, these days are for joy and gladness. Rashi understands peace to mean when non-Jewish nations no longer hold dominion over the Jewish people. If so, that would reasonably apply in Israel today. However, most Rishonim understand peace here as a stand-in for the rebuilding of the base of Migdash. Until that occurs, we are at best in an intermediate situation, even in Israel. No temple, but also no harsh decrees. And thus, we must continue the Jewish people's chosen practice to keep fasting on these days. The Panine Halacha podcast provides English audio of Panine Halacha, an exceptional work of Halacha by Rav Eliezer Malamid Shlita. The English translation was overseen by Ellie Fisher and Corin Publishers. These texts are available for free online, and beautiful printed volumes are available for purchase. The summaries and reflections are from me, Ben Greenfield, Rabbi of the Greenpoint Shul in New York City. I occasionally make subtle changes to the original translation, often for clarity, sometimes by mistake.